Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Calling us from Tennessee, we have Ace Baker on the phone. Ace, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Man, thank you for having me. I'm excited. It's a pleasure to have you here. Ace, by the way, is a former law enforcement officer. He spent time working at Nashville Police Department, also Sheriff's Department in Tennessee. He does a lot of things to help train military, uh, tactical units. I'll have him tell you about that in a few moments. One of the things we're here to talk about, Ace, about before I forget, thank you for your service. Very much appreciated. You're very welcome. One of the things that you do, you're actively involved with a group called Warriors to U.S. Tell us what that is, what it's all about. So Warriors to us is, uh, is, is, is it was an idea to build a camp for veterans of, of all backgrounds who have taken an oath to protect American lives. And what that means is, is veterans of military service, veterans of law enforcement, veterans, firefighters, paramedics, anybody who, who has taken an oath to protect and defend American lives, we wanted to build them a retreat, if you will, a camp where they could come. It's on 200 acres where they can come and they can hunt, they can fish, they can fellowship, they can build big bonfires and tell stories, and it's a working camp. How Warriors to Us is different than most of the veterans' camps is as you come to the camp, there's projects. where We're currently building a chapel. We're building a live fire gun range. We're building an uh, axe-throwing and tomahawk knife instrument throwing range and you come to the camp you hunt you fish you fellowship and you work on a project and the people behind you will enjoy the project that you work on while they work on a project for someone else that's a great idea because you're giving back as you're getting at the same time that's right it's paying it forward so as you're enjoying the camp you're also paying it forward and building something for others to enjoy as well it's a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, there are no paid paid uh, positions at Warriors to us. 
uh, the, the president, the vice president, all the trustees, it's all volunteer basis. Um, so, so there are no paid positions like some of the other 501 charities, you know, where the, the executives are making a ton of money. There's nothing like that. 100% of what's donated to the camp goes back to the camp. By the way, I talked with Donna Nasser. She's one of the movers and shakers behind Warriors to Us. And uh, she is uh, just a, a great force for, for good. And I'm so glad to hear that this outfit you have is for our military veterans, our first responders, I mean, law enforcement, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers. Nobody seems to get me like other first responders. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a combat veteran. I'm not a military veteran, but they come a very close second as far as understanding what it's like being a law enforcement officer. It's, It's such a close, close bond. And that's exactly what the camp is for, right? I, you and I can sit here and tell cop stories all day long, and, and I can understand what you were feeling in a situation that you were in because I probably have a situation that was similar, right, and vice versa with, with people in the military and, and, and firefighters. So with, with this camp, people sitting around a fire telling stories, to, knowing that the, the person that you're telling the story to has a similar background and story that they can relate to, inside of that is what it's all about, right? I mean, it, I, I, talking to the general public about what my normal day was as a SWAT cop, they don't get it. They, they wouldn't understand it because they, they haven't experienced it for themselves. And, 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 but I can tell other cops about it. I can right. tell cops working in my department about the situations that I was in, and they know the stories because they've had, them, they have, they've had their own. They've had uh, a unique understanding what i mean understanding means we've been through similar maybe not exact same thing but similar and we have a basis for understanding before we get lost in our conversation which i know we have a lot to talk about where can people get more information maybe make a donation for warriors to us so warriors the number two us has a facebook page warriors to us it's all one word warriors the number two us and there's also a website the warriors to us website just just google warriors to us on on, on your, your, your desktop or laptop or, or, or phone or whatever, you can find it there. Uh, there is a donation tab. And, again, uh, I would encourage not only monetary donations, but uh, the camp is located in Gainesville or Hardinville, Missouri. It's right on the Missouri-Arkansas border. What we need just as much as we need donations is we need, we need help. Currently, the, the, the floor is being done. All the paint is done. So we're doing the trim. We're doing the flooring. If you can come and donate some time. Donate, donate, you know, bring some supplies to the camp um, or, or come and, 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 and bring a little, a little hard, hard work and, and sweat to the camp and, and donate your time to help us uh, lay flooring, do tile, uh, paint, you know, all the things that come into building this. So not only monetary donations are what we're looking for, but we're also looking for people to help donate uh, to, to come and be a part of, of building these projects. It's a really neat thing, man. It's one of those things that when you drive into the gates of Warrior Stuff, you just feel it. It's got this aura about it that it's going to be something great. So anybody, it's free to anybody to come and use. Uh, it, once the camp is open and, and you have a, 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 a history in law enforcement, you want to come enjoy the camp, you want to come hunt fish, you want to come build bonfires, you want to come play pool, there's pool tables and big screen TVs, it's free, to, it's free for you to come and use and, 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 and to retreat and to get away and to speak to people who, who maybe you may not know but have like-minded stories with. One of the things you just brought up I think is so powerful is a lot of people want to help. A lot of people want to contribute, but they're not positioned financially. They've got kids, they've got families, they've got bills. They, 
there's just not enough money to make contributions like you want to. There's sure. something amazing about sweat equity. Uh, you are an equal partner in making something happen, whether it be right. pushing a broom, pushing a paintbrush, doing carpentry work, things of the, that nature. Stuff. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm like two left hands when it comes to trying to do handyman work, clean up stuff. Yeah. I can do computer stuff. I can do. So there's a lot of ways people can help. Correct. That's right, and, 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 and all of those things are just as needed, right? So although, yeah, we're, we're asking for monetary donations to help buy linen and, and food supplies and all the things that come with running a camp like this, uh, just as needed is, is somebody to come and swing a hammer and to help us physically do some of the work because everything that we've done up to this point, we've all done it ourselves. We've banded together. There, there's been people from all over the country that have come and tried to, to help and make this project a success, and now that we're right at the finish line, you know, all those 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 end projects to get the doors open, uh, we need help with. So if if, it, if you're not an expert bricklayer, but but you, but but you know a little something, we'd love to have you. If, if you're not an expert carpenter, but you know you know how to run a skill saw, we'd love to have you. If you help come push a broom, like you said, there's something for everybody, and we want you to feel ownership in this because it, it, in the reality is the people that we're building it for, it is for them. So yeah, it's. It's a, it's a really, really neat project. Super excited way, about it. Folks can get more information. Go online when you have a chance. Do a Google search for Warriors 2 U.S. That's the number two, Warriors 2 U.S. That's also their Facebook name. You can go to the website, see photos. We're talking with Ace Baker. We're going to talk about his career in law enforcement, military. Uh, a lot of things that are coming up in the law enforcement show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Hey folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Return a conversation with Ace Baker. Ace is former law enforcement officer, and he's one of the movers and shakers at Warriors 2 U.S., do a Google search for Warriors to U.S. or go to their Facebook page, Warriors to U.S., and uh, you find information about the camp and all sorts of great things going on. Ace, let's talk about very quickly about your military career, start to finish. Yeah, so my military career actually came after my time in, in law enforcement. I, I, I was unique in the in the way that my service, uh, Chief of the United States Military, was as a Department of Defense and Department of State contractor. Uh, so. 
I was a police officer for 12 years here in Tennessee, and then and then I was hired as a as a firearms instructor for the United States Army SEER School as a DOD contractor. Okay. And then I led in the, the contracting with the Department of State and doing some other things. But my time with the military, man, I, I will tell you this. I felt home, right? After being a police officer for 12 years and, and being an adult, being matured enough, once I got into the military atmosphere of training soldiers, I felt like that was where I was meant to be my entire life. It just felt right. And um, so I was a Department of, of, of Defense Army SEER school instructor, and SEER stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. It's a, it's a very limited school that very few actually get to go to other than special forces, aviators, uh, rangers, and, and, and like some, some CA-type type guys, small unit tactics mostly. But the, the, the premise behind SEER, the, the, the best explanation I can give you of SEER is it teaches you how to not be captured by the enemy. If you are captured, how to escape captivity, and then also how to resist torture and interrogation technique, right? So it, it's a school built around uh, teaching service members to not do what John McCain did, right? I mean, it, it's about how to uh, hold on to government secrets and, 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 and classified information while being interrogated, and then hopefully not to be captured at all is the ultimate goal of, of, of SEER, to teach you to evade without being in captivity. But it, it really worked well with my law enforcement career because as a, as a police officer, I was taught how to find people, right? How to look for descriptions and bolos, uh, you know, be on the lookout for uh, white male, six foot tall, wearing, you know, khakis, black tennis shoes, and, and a red hoodie, uh, for instance. Working for the military as a SEER school instructor, an evasion escape instructor, I was teaching military how to not be captured, how to go through not only wooded but urban environments and not, you know, uh, uh, stand out. How to, so I really had a unique perspective as a SEER school instructor. It was, it was one of those times in my life, I mean, it was just, I'll always have stories of working for this SEER school. It was just that thing that made an impact on me, uh, teaching service members, teaching uh, the, the, the greatest group of citizens on the face of the earth, the United States military, those, those 1% who had the courage to do what, what 99% didn't have the courage to do, decided to work for the United States military to protect our Constitution and, and protect American citizens. It's just a, an amazing atmosphere, a lot of gratification, and, and, and very satisfying. It was a very satisfying job. My dad, who was career Navy, he was an aviator. Uh, he was not a, a pilot, and he went through Sears school way, way, way back. Then. I mean, when I was a little yeah. kid. And it's, right. it's funny thing is, it, he since passed many years ago, but he was not allowed to even talk about a lot of things they did. He'd go into very right. general explanations about things. It seems to me that is a very unique skill set. And you're training people to what to do to avoid the worst case scenario and what to do if you are apprehended and caught in the worst case scenario for our military men and women. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you are captured, what information you're allowed to give, what information you're not allowed to give, and how to survive captivity, how to survive being tortured. How to, how, you know, everybody has a breaking limit. Everybody has that point, and they just, they're going to give everything, right? But, but, but what SEER is about is about pushing you to that limit so you know what your limit is. Everybody's limit is different. So when I was a SEER school instructor, I'd already had a lot of experience as a law enforcement officer where I was interro- you know, doing interrogations. I, was, I knew questioning techniques. 
it really it, it it gave me an advantage on the other side of now when you know how to ask questions, how to lead into questioning, how to look for body language when people aren't being sincere or or telling the truth, those types of things. So I had a real unique advantage as a Sear School instructor. I was the only one when when I was there, and I don't know what's going on now, but when I was at Sear School, I was the only one that had never been in the military. Uh, to to work for the the the, the Sears school in in the in the evasion section, so it was just a super exciting job. And and also, man, you know, I'm a firearms guy, so I, I was a tactical guy, guy as a police officer. I was I was appointment on the on the entry team for SWAT. Uh, I traveled the country of Tennessee and in in, in 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 doing different SWAT schools. I worked for the for the Toledo Tennessee Law Enforcement Training Academy as a firearms instructor and an EVO instructor, emergency vehicle operations instructor. So I, I was a tactical guy and. Um, and, and, to, and to teach to teach the military how to shoot guns was uh, was 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 really challenging at times, but it was also very satisfying. It was it was you know to give them a skill that's hopefully going to bring them home with honor meant a lot to me. I took it very seriously. Is it fair to say that you are a high energy guy? I am a very high energy. <laughs> I, I, I'm bored. Right, if I'm not doing something, so yeah. I, I, I wanted. I'm getting exhausted listening to you talk, Ace. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say, do you need like some energy drinks or uh, coffee? Uh, look, if I don't have caffeine, I, I don't know how I'd function. And I think I'm a high energy guy, but I'm nothing compared to you. Yeah, I'm an adrenaline guy, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But for me, you know, adrenaline is one of the greatest drugs on the face of the earth. It's right? also I mean, it's one I found personally that. It's quite depressing when you don't have adrenaline in your life anymore. When you get used to a certain amount of it, one of the things I always say, and I've said for a long time, is I was in four shootings in in 10 years in the police department. And the first two, unlike what you hear in the news media, I never even fired a shot back. It just, every time there's gunplay, the police don't always fire back. The second two were totally different affairs. And there was a lot of other high adrenaline incidents, raids, violent arrest you name it but one of the things i always tell people was you really know you're alive you really feel like you're on fire after someone's shot at you and it is a letdown it's almost i don't want to say i miss those days but part of me does sure and i don't know how to explain that to people who don't know jay i think that that has a lot to do with why uh, police officer suicides, law enforcement suicides, military suicides. I think that has a lot to do with that to play because when 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 we get out of law enforcement or when military service members get out of the military, they no longer have that adrenaline. They they no longer feel that need or or, or, or they still feel the need for excitement, but they don't have that right. Or, now you're uh, at a nine to five punching a card or yeah, or, or, or through, feel like working. like a lack of purpose. Like uh, I was trained sure. to do this. This is what I'm good at. And this is. What do I do now? Now that my career is over, what do I do now? What kind of person am I? Who do I become? How do I have this so-called normal life that I hear so much about that I want, but I don't know how to get? We're going to talk about all that and more. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Did you know that 32% of Americans listen to at least one podcast a month and 22% listen to podcasts weekly? After episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show have aired, they're converted to podcasts. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast and be sure to subscribe for free. 
Hi, this is John J. Wiley, host of the show. One of the questions I get all the time is where can I find new podcasts to check out? You can find podcasts from all genres posted daily on the Podcast Zone Facebook page. From established chart-topping podcasts to new up-and-comer podcasts, you can find them all posted at the Podcast Zone Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Podcast Zone. Look for the bright green profile image and be sure to click like and follow. And tell your friends about the Podcast Zone Facebook page. Return our conversation with Ace Baker on the Law Enforcement Today show. Ace, by the way, is that your given name? Is that the name they gave you when you were born? Yeah, man. So uh, it's a wild, wild thing. I was adopted at, at, at a young age. I was born a baker. Um, so it was, my, it was my originally birth name was, is, is Josh Baker. Uh, but I've been called Ace since I was a little kid. Every sporting event I've ever played, every job I've ever had, everybody's always called me Ace. And it kind of uh, so just, just stuck, right? So it, it, you yeah. feel uncomfortable people call it different. My real name is John Joseph. That's my real name. I'm actually the fourth. And okay. it, which sounds highfalutin, but I'm not. And our family's not. But my dad was nicknamed was Jay. And I've been nicknamed Jay since the day I was born. And people who right. know me call me Jay. Those who don't call me John or John Jay or John Joseph. So, right. Or Mr. Yeah, White. No one calls me Sarge. So, no one ever calls me that. I don't get that anymore either. I was a sergeant as well on patrol, and, and, and I don't get that anymore. I miss that. I'm, I, I miss Sarge. But uh, Yeah, well, I, I try to get my wife to, my wife, number one, always outrank me. No matter, no matter what rank I was, she was one step ahead. Even went so far as when we picked, got new dogs, I'm like, hey, how about calling this one Sarge? And I would get the cold shoulder. So uh, <laughs> we, well, before we went to break, Ace, we were talking about the incredible letdown. Uh, for me, my career was over suddenly. I got hurt. I was retired at the age of 33 and really was like a, a term I hear often, rudderless. I was like a boat floating in a circle. I really didn't know where to go, what to do. I didn't start pursuing radio for another five to 10 years, something like that. And, and there I found... My, my new mission, I understand it's quite common for a lot of retire law enforcement first responders. I also res- understand it's very common for military veterans when they leave the service, especially if they came from a combat, active combat deployments where they're, sure. I've heard them say things like, I got back home and which I, where, where I always wanted to be. When I was there, I always thought about was getting back home. When I got home, I thought about being back there with them, and I didn't know what to do with myself. That's right, and and if you think about it, as in you know our, the brotherhood, uh, we, we you know we as police officers, and the same thing in the military, talk about this brotherhood, right? The people, the guys to your to your left and to your right, who you answer these these high risk calls with, you build a bond with them, and I think when we get out, when we leave that that environment, not only are we missing the the excitement and the adrenaline. Not only do we feel like we, a lot of times we're missing a purpose because we've, our adult lives, we've, we've had this job that we no longer have, but that camaraderie and that brotherhood, that unionship of the people to your left and to your right, knowing that, that, that not only is your life in their hands, but your, but their life is in your hands. And it's a, it's a, it's a huge amount of responsibility, but it's also an amazing way to build family, right? I mean, the guys who I worked with on patrol, the guys who were on the, you know, they, they were behind me standing stacked up on a door that we're fixing to do a high-risk search warrant on. Those guys 
are, are I mean, as far as I'm concerned, are as important to me as my own flesh and brothers, right? And then you, you, you leave that career, and a lot of times you don't have those, those types of relationships out here in the real world or in, in, in society in, in general, especially today with social media and, and everybody has their own thing. That, that, that personal relationship thing is gone. And I think we miss that as much as we miss the adrenaline, as much as we miss I think you're right. the excitement. Uh, we miss the, the fellowship of having people that can relate to us that rely on us just as much as we, we rely on them. And I think that's a huge cause as to why, again, we talked about this on the last segment of, of, of military suicides and law enforcement suicides. Military, I think, currently is 24 to 25 a day. Law enforcement is right behind that, and, and it's something that's taboo to talk about. People don't talk about police officers' suicide, and they didn't used to talk about uh, military service member suicide. It's taboo it's to, to think that, we're these big, bad superheroes, right, uh, you know, that, that, that people see us as coming into their homes doing what, what they are unable to do themselves, whether it be fight a fire or go to an accident scene and extract somebody out of a vehicle or, or go into a, sh- you know, a, a, a shooting situation. Well, with that being said, we're just humans, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and, and we, we're, we're people, have you we found have the same that else has. That, have you found that people really don't have an honest comprehension of what life is like? We say in the real world. I know for a lot of military people. Again, I'm not a military veteran. Many of my friends are, and they said when they were deployed, they thought about coming back to the real world and and being right. home. And when I was policing in Baltimore. It's as if there was a total disconnect from people who lived 10 miles away in the same town, same city, had no comprehension of the amount of violence, the amount of crime, the amount of human depravity, the amount of suffering that was going on that we witnessed every day. And I don't know if it's guilt. I don't know if it's lack of information, but I think. They don't know what to do with these law enforcement suicides. They don't want to acknowledge it because they don't even want to acknowledge that we have societal problems like we do. Right, right. I mean, think about it. As a police officer, you go into these places that most people don't go, right? As a police officer, you're dealing with people who who, who most people aren't dealing with, right? My wife, for instance, can go her entire life and never deal with, with a with a homicidal maniac, for me, I dealt with it once every few months. You know what I'm saying? So uh, they wouldn't even understand. We could tell them, the media could tell them, uh, we could have discussions, but unless they see those things for themselves, they wouldn't understand it. And as police officers, you deal with usually uh, uh, you deal with the worst society has to offer. You know, so it's hard to not be jaded as a police officer to think that. All of society is like that. Uh, the same way it's hard for people who do not deal with those types of situations to realize that those people in society even exist. Or those do. situations are, um, I mean, I know you've been into a house and you think, man, how do people live like this? Like, like this is, uh, I, I wouldn't have even fathomed it if, if I wasn't standing here seeing it from my own eyes. Two of the um, things that stand out right away for me. One is, it, I worked in really bad neighborhoods. And the vast majority of people in those really bad neighborhoods were not bad people. They're just regular 
people trying to work and pay their bills and get ahead and make sure their family's safe. And when they had called the police, they were almost embarrassed when you were there. And they'd invite you in and say, hey, can I get you something to eat? Can I get you something to drink? They were the nicest people in the world. But And even the criminals we dealt with all the time were not the real bad, bad guys. But there was a very small percentage of guys out there that, I mean, they wouldn't wreck your day. They'd try to kill you. And they would do it quite often. And that small percentage of people, they were like terrorists in a community. Yeah, and, and, and I tell you what, they, they molded my life. That, that, that very small percentage of people made me the guy that I'm still today, right? I mean, it, those are the types of people that I always sit, and I know you probably do the same thing, right? You go to a restaurant, you sit facing the door. Yeah. You're, you're situa- you have situational awareness when you go to a concert. You're constantly looking around, looking for the guy that's dressed out of, you know, dressed different. or you know, And that's the environment that we, that we live in today now, and, and that's, that's, that's sad within itself, but uh, we have we've become a society now because of all of the craziness that surrounds us. I think that people are more apt to to, to understand what you and I are talking about, who don't have an, a, a, a background in law enforcement, uh, because of the environment of society today. Right, so all the active shooters and and all of the concerts and church shootings, and I mean it, it, it's just a dangerous world that we're living in. Uh, so no I hope doubt. that that. that that, that, that some situational awareness is, is bred into everyone, not just those who have a, a military or law enforcement background. We're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to talk more about SWAT. We're going to talk about the, the image that has been force-fed Americans about American law enforcement, primarily from the media, and how they get it wrong, not just some of the time, but the vast majority of the time. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. So many people ask me, how did I transition from police work to a career in radio? What did I do to become a music radio DJ? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. The answer is simple. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting's 11 East Coast campuses, students have learned by doing for 55 years. Radio, television, podcasting, and now coding for web development. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. Day and evening classes are available. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting is perfect for those graduating from high school, adults looking for new career training, first responders, and veterans too. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting has locations in Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and North Carolina. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting training in audio, video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. What are you waiting for? Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. That's 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. Again, 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. the radio stations in the united states there's only one show like ours the law enforcement today radio show and on facebook there's only one official page do a search on facebook for law enforcement today radio show that's law enforcement today radio show 
on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Ace Baker. Ace is a former law enforcement officer. He's also a former DOD instructor for the military for Sears School. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Before we end the break, Ace, we were getting into a conversation about the violence that our, our law enforcement officers here in America see. When I say violence, yeah, certain parts of this are accidents. There's fires and all these other things. But there's an an inordinate amount of violence that, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times a day it would happen. But I, I tell you a couple times a shift for all the years I worked, I go from absolute boredom to a life or death feeling or scenario within 10 or 15 seconds and repeat that two or three times a shift over eight hours, five days a week for 12 years. And it had, it took a toll. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you've seen things that you will never unsee. And, um, and again, and again, that, that has to do with, with, with us being able to, you, you just making that statement, I'm sitting here nodding my head and, and everybody who's listening, who has an LEO background is nodding their head as well. Right. They understand what you're saying. I think that, that we have to be able to articulate this or find a way to, to, to teach those who, who do not have that same background, who don't have those same experiences as you and I and other law enforcement officers, to teach them what we really do see and, and what is really in our hearts. You know, Jay, I can ask you today, tomorrow, uh, the day after you graduate the police academy or a week before you even started the police academy, you got into law enforcement to make a difference. Yes. I know that you didn't get in it to, to, to get rich. I know you, did, I know you, didn't, you, you didn't want to be a cop because you were going to live in a big, fancy house driving big, fancy cars. Uh, that just it's not it that doesn't happen in law enforcement right we, it, the pay is horrible uh, everybody gets into law enforcement because they want to be better they want the community to be, to be better they want to, to make a difference to do something to, to impact their children and their grandchildren who are growing up in those same communities yeah. uh, but society now has this hate and this anger toward law enforcement because they don't understand they see the they see they see their city through the, this prism of of flowers and wonderfulness they don't see those environments that you were talking about where you would go from being absolutely bored to, to, to out of your mind crazy running with your hair on fire into a high stress situation and then you know an hour later looking for something else to do and then bang you know something goes crazy and you're involved in a shooting yeah to protect your life uh, to go home to your family. And you'd have uh, to make to those decisions in a, a split second and, quite honestly, not know why you did what you did or even what you did until sure. much later on. And now right. we yeah, have the advent of body cams. And, right. And make those decisions for you a lot of times. Yeah. Like your and, training, and, hopefully, is good enough that you make the right decision. Hopefully. And, and, and people will judge you for years over that decision that you they made will. in just matters of fractions of seconds. I think part of the problem is that we get an idea in our head of policing in general. Uh, Military, same. I think it's getting better with some of the movies and some of the television shows. I I watch my wife, and and when they start getting it really close and they're really right, uh, I I can't explain it, but I'll start saying out loud, no, 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 don't go in there. And I'm not talking about the guy in the shower in the haunted, scary movie. I'm talking about when they get it right. But what I see all the time is 
And a classic scenario is a SWAT team. Now, we would do raids. I was never a SWAT team member. And these terrace or garden-style apartments where you have multiple stairways going up and you try to hug the wall. And you'd be up front and there'd be three or four guys behind you. And inevitably, there'd be some young person at the academy who you turn around and they'd have their, their service weapon pointed right at your back. And you're like, dude, get that out of here. And TV, what they do is they show us the Hollywood people tell us they're always cocking their gun. Who right. does that? Those sort of things then, drive me nuts. And then when someone gets it, shot, they shoot them in the hand and they fly back across the room. And that's not real life. That's not it's what it's not like at life. all. No, it's not. And, and I, I think for me, like, like I was saying a minute ago, we, we, I have the, I've always had this urge to do more. I've always had this craving to want to be more. So um, getting on the SWAT team for me was something that was, I mean, I did, I, I just knew I had to do it. I knew that it was for me and, and, and I got into SWAT and then I, I excelled. I ended up being a team leader. I was a point man. And, uh, and then we just basically, our team basically was the, was the essence of SWAT, the, the group of SWAT that did most of the entries. And I did that Jay, because I, I knew that most people didn't want to do that. Right. right? I, I wanted to do more because it, I, I, solely got into law enforcement simply to make my community a safer place for my children. And I never imagined that, you know, I, I never factored in the excitement or the adrenaline dump or the, the thrill of standing outside that door of a high-risk warrant that you've studied for days, you've, you've, you've practiced, you know, the ins and outs of, of, of this person and what they're done and why you're there. There's just no way to, to explain that adrenaline standing there you know, before you kick the door open, um, it's incredible. Or the the primitive, and I, the primitive feeling from deep down inside when you survive a life and death attack. The, the, when someone really tries to take you out and you you win, I'm not saying they die. Someone's going to hear that wrong. I'm not saying they die. All I'm saying is when someone attacks you and tries to take your life, and you are victorious. There's a very, at least for me. There was a very primitive, primordial, from deep down inside my brain somewhere, back Neanderthal man days, I don't know where it comes from, that it's almost difficult to describe where it's, I can't use a language that's safe for radio, where you're on fire. You literally are, every nerve in your being is alive and you just want to scream at this guy, like, who's the man? You're not the man. Jay, I still teach that. I, I teach uh, a, a primitive survival, and I teach uh, tactical shooting classes to civilians now. And I, I always, it, it, we call it the combat mindset. Uh, some people call it warrior mindset. That that mindset that, that no matter what happens, when you go to work that day, you're walking there and you're walking back the same way, right? No matter what happens, what the situation entails, what that day holds, you're 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 going to survive. You're going to live. And um, and I think that man, that's a great mindset to have. I mean, I, I think it's, it's mandatory. I think it's required to have that type of mindset inside the the the, the, the duties of of being an LEO or in the military. Or, or you do. Or, or- so here's the shocking part: is the first times I felt like that, it went totally against what how I was raised. This is not the kind of guy I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a gentleman. I'm supposed to be you know a civil person. And here's this lunatic who's ready for life or death. And I remember clearly uh, an incident where a guy was trying to shoot me and with my own service weapon while still in my hand. And the thought came to my mind that this guy's trying to kill me. And I remember my first thought was, I'm going to die, but it's not going to be tonight. It's not going to be because of you. 
of course, it was a lot. It was a lot more expletives on mine. I was prepared at that point to Ace to do whatever it took to make sure I walked away from that incident. Fortunately, we both survived. So you got to have it. You've got to have that instinct. And civilians who aren't in law enforcement, who aren't corrections officers, or first responders, or, or military. God forbid you get in a situation where you got to have that. And it's happened to realtors. It's happened to people that work at convenience stores. And when that that person comes out, don't be ashamed. It's, it's part of what we need to survive. Amen. Before we run out of time, tell us again about Warriors to Us. Yeah, so Warriors to Us is a veterans camp, uh, veterans of law enforcement, veterans of military background, firefighters, EMTs, anybody who's taken an oath to protect American lives. It's on 200 acres in southern Missouri, right on the border of Missouri and Arkansas. It's, it's a hunting camp. You can come and hunt and fish. Uh, we have a, we're building a live fire gun range where we're going to do uh, gun classes. We're building a, 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 a primitive survival area to teach primitive survival, primitive fire building, water purification, that kind of thing. Uh, also, we have a, a, a archery range, a tomahawk and knife throwing range. And, it's, you know, it's more than all of that, it's fellowship. It's bringing people together who have taken an oath to protect Americans to come into one place and just be able to talk and retreat away from, you know, the daily hustle and bustle of life to come to a, an amazing area, amazing camp, and fellowship with people who, who, who are like-minded and, and have like-minded stories and, and can just talk and build, build relationships with, with one another. So Warriors to Us, look us up on Facebook. Uh, you can Warriors to Us, hit us on Google and find the website. There is a donation button there. There's also information on how you can come to the camp. Uh, if you wanted to use the camp, if, if you're a veteran, again, of law enforcement, military, firefighter, EMT, paramedic, uh, the camp is free to use. Uh, but come and join us and help us build something great for those who follow behind us. Hey, Baker, thanks so much for being on the show. and It is very much appreciated. Jay, thank you for your time, man. Have a, have a blessed day. Remember to check out our website for news articles, past episodes of the podcast, download our free app, and much more. That's L-E-T Radio Show. Com. On behalf of everyone associated with the Law Enforcement Today radio show and website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.